Feel it coming in the air Yeah And the screams from everywhere Yeah I'm addicted to the thrill I'm ready It's a dangerous Sorry. love affair Come on Can't be scared when it goes down Got a problem, tell me Sorry. now Only thing that's on my mind Is who goes this town tonight Welcome to Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk Radio Show Voice America Radio Thursday morning, Phoenix, Arizona. Alex Clancy in studio. It is frigid in here. I guess they can't turn the heat on because it'll mess up the uh, microphones or something. I don't, I don't like it too much. Uh, Kev, get on that, will you please? Uh, it's a beautiful Thursday here in Arizona. A little overcast. Not as cold as it is on the East Coast, obviously. Do have a lot to talk about. Kwame might be calling in a little bit later. I want to talk about Sean White and him pulling out a slope style in the Sochi Olympics. Just briefly, talk some NBA, talk National Signing Day for college football. Interesting things happened. Uh, a lot of it was status quo from last year, uh, and I have a couple interesting takes about that. I'll talk about the Phoenix Suns losing last night to Houston, talk about Miami and the Clippers and why that game meant more for Miami than it did for Los Angeles, and I might talk a little Knicks if I have some time. The Lakers ended up playing 4-on-5 in essence last night at the end of at the end of their game against Cleveland due to everybody fouling out or being injured. Uh, interesting rule that goes back to my recreational basketball days when I was five years old. Um, so I'll talk about that a little bit as well. First off, I will talk Sean White really briefly. He's getting a lot of flack for pulling out of the Slope Style event, which is an X Games event that was implemented into the Olympics this year. I have a feeling that the officials, the IOC, are, are a little bit upset that he's he's pulling out of it because he was the main draw. That, that was his... Initially, his mo- his strongest event in the X Games, and then uh, the half pipe, super pipe, whatever you want to call it, depending on whatever competition it is, uh, took that and uh, took the cake on that one. He's won two straight gold medals in the half pipe in the Olympics. When asked about why he pulled out a slope style, he said that he wanted to focus mainly on the half pipe, which is fine. But he went into the Olympics saying that he wanted to win two gold medals. Uh, it was documented that he injured his ankle, that he somewhat downplayed uh, in a practice run on Tuesday, I believe, uh, in the slope style. And it's it's interesting that they're turning a vacation, summer vacation place into a place where they're going to play the uh, Winter Olympics in, in Sochi. So things, it's obviously been documented that, that the living conditions aren't great for people Reporting on the event, participating participating in the Olympics, etc. And I think Sean White doesn't want to. He just doesn't want to take a chance. Uh, it it's interesting that I've been watching a lot of Top Chef lately. I'll just go on a little aside here. A lot of Top Chef, and whenever a chef that's competing tries to do two dishes instead of one, it seems like both dishes turn out mediocre as opposed to focusing on one dish and making it you know, exemplary. And that's Sean White's reasoning on this one. He wants to focus on half pipe, win a gold medal for the third in a row, instead of maybe winning two silvers in both events, which is not why he goes to the Olympics. He's been around for too long, been too great, uh, and, and and he wants to win a gold medal. And for for the fans that go to see him, I understand why they might feel a little slighted, but he has a brand to uphold. If he wins two silver medals... Maybe the sponsors go away. Some of them. I mean, obviously, he's not going to be poor if he only if he only medals bronze or, or silver. But I I understand why he's doing this. And maybe if he didn't get injured, 
uh, in a practice run on the slope style, maybe he would have uh, competed in, in the actual Olympic event. But I mean, I understand, and and I don't I, I don't understand why this is such a big deal. Maybe because nobody knows professional curlers around the world, or or uh, you know synchronized skaters. If that's an event, um, I'm just watching the Olympics to watch hockey and to watch Sean White. And if I have to watch one less one less event, then then so be it. Because you know he's going to rock half pipe, and that's going to be it. I'm not a huge snowboarder. I don't really know the whole thing. I don't really understand. The uh, the allure of going uh, cojones first down a mountain, jumping and with a board attached to your feet. I don't get it. But he's he's made a, he's made a life for himself: surfing, skateboarding, snowboarding. He's he's amazing at what he does, uh, and I think he's trying to not only win the gold in halfpipe, but you know keep himself whole so he can continue to do this and and bring in the sponsorship money. And and not get dropped by anybody, so it makes sense. So that's all I really want to talk about with that. It was just interesting that that was breaking news on on the Today Show a couple days ago that Sean White was pulling out of of slope style. So uh, you can enter whatever joke you want to enter there. Um, all right, let's move on to the National Signing Day. Alabama number one again. Uh, five five star recruits, a bunch of four stars. 27 commits overall puts them at number one. This is uh, according to the ESPN rankings. Say, I tried to look at the rankings yesterday and today, and everybody has different rankings. Everybody, the numbers are a little skewed one way or the other, but I, I, I trust ESPN, so I'm going with them. LSU's number two. So they got uh, Fournette, the number one recruit out of the ESPN top 300, which is uh, it's great for LSU. He's a New Orleans guy. Great running back, 6'1", 226, big dude. So that's big for LSU to become relevant again. They've always been relevant, but Alabama's kind of taken the cake in the SEC recently, even though uh, they were a 109-yard missed field goal return for a touchdown away from making the, the national championship game last year. I think that'll be overlooked in, in the annals of history because Auburn didn't win the championship and because they ran into uh, the Heisman Trophy winner, who was a wretched freshman in uh, in FSU and, and FSU ended up winning, but it's great for LSU to just get on the board. You know, uh, Alabama went the other way. So I said they have five. They had five five star recruits, and all of the nineteen signees from the top three hundred that Alabama had, of all of them, I believe two were on the offensive side of the football. They have a couple athletes that they signed, so that could go either way. You know, they could play secondary. They can do kick returns, receivers. Uh, they're not sure where to put them yet. They were they were signed as athletes. A lot of defensive ends, a lot of secondary, a lot of linebackers. So Nick Saban is telling the world that we're not going to allow people to put up 40 points in a game against us, let alone in the first or second game of the season the Texas A&M did, and then the last game of the season for them that Auburn did. Defense was lost in the SEC last year. There weren't any 9-6 games that, uh, of any magnitude whatsoever. So Nick Saban is definitely saying that I'm not going to go through that embarrassment again, which you know is smart, especially if you can get all of these guys to come there in the, in the top 300 rankings coming out of high school. It's a big step forward, and it, him over anybody else that's a head coach, especially in college football, is even when they won the national championship two years ago, 
he he was asked in an interview, uh, "How long are you gonna How long are you gonna celebrate this and everything?" He goes, "I start work tomorrow." So he gave himself about six hours, twelve hours, including sleep. If he sleeps six hours a night, he's a robot, so I don't think he needs that many. If he's like that after winning a national championship, which was his third in a row, you, you got to believe he's coming out guns a blazing if, if they didn't even make it to the national championship game. So defense, defense, defense for Alabama. One that, one that intrigued me, well, two actually that intrigued me were Florida and Tennessee. Tennessee had 35 commits yesterday, which is a lot. That's, I believe, seven or eight more than, than the next closest team with, with any relevancy. But the SEC is seemingly taking over everything. Take away Ohio State because they'll always get recruits due to in-state and just the, just the history of Ohio State. Notre Dame is Notre Dame. So they'll always get recruits, especially people that couldn't, that weren't promised playing time with Alabama or LSU or uh, SEC teams in that regard. Florida State, obviously, because Jameis Winston is coming back. So they got a couple guys. They, they were Florida State had a huge recruiting class last year. Defensive ends, tackles, offensive tackles. So people that are uh, high school kids that play those positions might have been wary to go there because they might not get any playing time. Because uh, the ESPN top three hundred, Florida State definitely uh, definitely got their got their slice of the pie last year. But they're still top ten uh, recruiting class this year. Jameis Winston, obviously, if you're a wide receiver, you want to go there. I mean, that's just obvious. Um, especially with that high-powered offense that, that Jimbo Fisher runs over there. Uh, that's definitely a good place to play. And if you want to make it to the NFL, you're going to be on the biggest stage in America next year because you're going to be playing with the former Heisman Trophy winner who has a chance of winning back-to-back, blah, 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 blah. That's, that's really good for exposure for Florida State and for the players that sign there. Tennessee, it's interesting. I, it, when was the last time you heard of Tennessee. I don't remember Tennessee for a long time. I mean, one of their one of their best players in recent history didn't even get drafted in the NFL, Arian Foster. You know, so they're always there. The the burnt orange or the burnt yellow, whatever you call it in Tennessee, is a scary color when it's relevant. Just like the burnt orange is scary in Tennessee. Seminoles, that red, that gross red that that everybody loves down there. So if Tennessee can become a powerhouse once again. It's going to be really good for college football. Not so good for the SEC, but definitely good for college football because the SEC doesn't need any more good teams. Even with the four-team playoff that's going to be implemented next year, not all SEC teams are going to make it because they're going to have to play each other. So there are going to be losses in that conference, and even though those teams may be better than those in the ACC or Pac-12 or Big 12, Big 10, what have you, they're not going to have a chance to play for the national championship because of how many good teams are in the SEC. And this national uh, signing day proved that even more so. Clemson's up there in the top 10. Michigan's there. But I, I do believe that Nick Saban did the best job. That's just it, it, It's unfair because he's built a dynasty there. It's unfair for everybody else. Pulling teams from your hometown to go play in the South, in Alabama, is, you know, it's not fair. But... He's built it, and he deserves what's coming to him, you know? Uh, we got to take a break. On the other side, I do want to talk about Charlie Strong in Texas because their uh, their recruiting class wasn't great. 
Now, is it his fault? Is it Mac Brown's fault? Is it nobody's fault? Is it the timing of when Mac Brown stepped down? I'll talk about it on the other side of the break. Cormie Lasser, Sports Talk, Voice America Radio. I'll be back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes' work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Call Me Last Utter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy solo in studio today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Clancy's Corner for me, at Kwame Lassiter for Kwame Lassiter, and at Deborah underscore Debris, D-U-B-R-E-E for Deborah. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search Kwame Lassiter Sports Talk. Like our Facebook page, Kwame Lassiter Sports Talk. Once again, uh, we're Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Mountain. Got a lot of good stuff going on. We have a special show tomorrow. Uh, Kwame's got some things set up to where we have some people coming in talking about new products in the Phoenix area. So that'll be really exciting. Uh, prepping for Valentine's Day, which is a week from tomorrow. So that should be a fun show. Uh, please make sure to tune in. And don't forget to vo- uh, download the Voice America radio app. If you want to listen to us, you just open the app up at the time that we're starting and it streams flawlessly. It's a, it's a great app, really user-friendly. So I was talking about Alabama, SEC, National Signing Day as a whole, uh, University of Texas in Austin. One of the interesting stories after the college football season ended, Charlie Strong, Louisville head coach, comes over to take Mac Brown's spot. Mac Brown retired, but more or less was asked to was asked to step down, or he would have been fired. I'm sure he'll get a job somewhere else, maybe even in the front office at the University of Texas. But they didn't have the greatest recruiting class uh, signee with regards to signing. Uh, yesterday, I think they were 20th overall or somewhere around there. They had zero five-star recruits signed. Texas A&M, on the other hand, 
depending on what list you're looking at, was between four and ten in the rankings. Now, I feel bad for Charlie Strong right off the bat. I know these are huge shoes to fill. University of Texas hasn't been relevant for upwards of ten years, you know, six, seven, eight years. If Colt McCoy wouldn't have got hurt on like the second play of the national championship game against Alabama, maybe it would have been a different story, but it was not. Mac Brown steps down. Charlie Strong takes his job. Mac Brown, yeah. So did they split recruiting? I don't necessarily know exactly where Charlie Strong took over, if, if at all, in the recruiting process. Maybe these are all Mac Brown's guys. But, and Kwame's talked about this in nauseam, which is a great point, you can't fault Charlie Strong for not having a good showing this year if he didn't recruit any of the guys. That's not to say that his coaching style, coaching scheme, shouldn't be questioned if they only win six or seven games in Austin. But this isn't the NBA. You can't ship out the coaching staff. You can't ship out all of the players and bring in guys that you want right when you take over a, right when you take over a franchise. So he plays with the guys he has. They haven't had great recruiting classes recently, even though Mac Brown is... You know, one of the best college coaches of all time. But having this low of a recruiting class doesn't bode well this year for Texas. And who knows? I mean, Charlie Strong might might be a miracle worker there and, and bring them into prominence. If, if they finish a season in the top 25, that'll be a win, in my opinion. Obviously, between 10 and 20 would be the, would be the, the best spot for them to be in. Unless they go on a sick run. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe one of these recruits will be so much better than everybody uh, scouted him as. The top 300, they got the 78th overall player. That started. 78 with, uh, I think it was a defensive end. Defensive end from San Antonio, Derek Ro- uh, Roberson. 78. Then they get 124, 128, 147. That's what they get out of the top 300. Sorry, 149. Who is a quarterback or defensive tackle? They haven't really decided yet. Jared Hurd. Not necessarily the greatest way to start your tenure. And I'm sure they're hating Johnny Manziel down in Austin. Because if Johnny Manziel wasn't there, and Kwame and I disagree disagree with this a lot, disagree about this a lot, if Johnny Manziel didn't go to Texas A&M, Texas would still be the number one school in, in the state. And with Sumlin over there, now he's a coach that people want to play for. And this is not taking away from his coaching ability. I'm not taking away from that. I'm just saying it's injected with steroids because Johnny Manziel was there. So now all of these recruits that from Arlington that, that could have gone to University of Texas are now going to Texas A&M. They want to play in the SEC. Tell you what, if last year if Texas A&M won four games in the SEC and got booted out of relevancy, they would not be in a top ten recruiting class. Most of these players, in my opinion, would have gone to Texas or elsewhere in a different state. But because Johnny Manziel made 
he made he made such an impression on and and, and played so well for them and and won so many games. This is how it is. Kevin Sumlin has to prove to me personally next year that he is as good of a coach as people think he is and that he warrants that five-year extension. And who knows? I mean, again, I'll say maybe Texas will, will come back and, and they'll have a great recruiting class and, and it'll just be, they'll be underranked, the high school kids coming in there, and, and, and maybe they'll make some noise. Who knows? And with the Big 12 being as weak as it is, comparatively speaking, to the SEC and the Pac-12 now, Maybe they could happen. Maybe they could win the conference. Who knows? Who knows? All right. Well, that's enough about that. One move over to the NBA. Uh, interesting night last night with the Lakers. I'll talk about this very briefly. One nineteen one hundred eight win over Cleveland in Cleveland. They have so many injuries. They had two more guys go out last night. Nick Young twisted his knee. Somebody else got elbowed in the head by Chris Kamen who was also part of the Lakers. Chris Kamen fouls out uh, early in the fourth quarter, so now they're down to five guys. Robert Sacre fouls out with three and a half minutes left, and now they have nobody else to play. They have four healthy guys and two guys that have fouled out. So Steve Nash gets up, runs back in the locker room, because he's he sat out last game for rest because he played one game and he's old, so... He needs to sit out a game afterwards. And the referee comes over to Mike D'Antoni and says, uh, this is a rule that, uh, that you can implement if you want to. That uh, First of all, it's a technical foul to keep Robert Sacre on the court. And that every subsequent personal foul he commits will be another technical foul. And it's funny, when I was seven years old, this used to be the rule. Because we used to have six or seven guys on our team, and there'd be a technical foul every time somebody fouled out and, and they committed a subsequent foul. I just thought it was kind of interesting that that's probably the only rule <laughs> besides behind the three-point line is a three-pointer and inside the three-point line is a two-pointer that you can correlate with rec ball for seven-year-olds and the NBA. I just thought that was kind of cool. Anyways, that, that was more for me than you guys. My apologies. Phoenix Suns. Ooh, that was this was a tough one last night. 122-108. Rockets beat them. Dwight Howard crushed him. You know, Dwight Howard's going to have these nights. He shot 12 for 18 from the line. And if he, if he shoots anywhere over 50% and gets to, gets to the line 12, 13, 15, 18 times, that's when he is an all-star. That's when he can be talked about in the MVP discussion. If he gets to the line that many times and can make that many, I mean, the Rockets, the Rockets are a top three team in, in the West probably a top five team in the, in the NBA. But that doesn't happen. He, doesn't, he gets to the line, he shoots four for 12, and that's not the same. They, the Suns just really had no answer. They were in the game until the fourth quarter. You know, it was back and forth, back and forth. Suns didn't shoot very well from the field. They have no low post presence whatsoever. They just don't. They don't have any big guys. Miles Plumlee plays center. He's listed as center. I mean, he, he took four shots, had six boards. That was fine. But he had a minus 22 in the plus-minus uh, plus stat. And for all you sabermetrics guys out there, that is, that is not good. That is not good. 
He's undersized. He's a great rebounder. He doesn't have a low post game whatsoever yet. I know he's still a baby. I get that. But this makes me think why the Suns wouldn't take a chance on Pau Gasol, even though he's out for two weeks. I understand you're going to have to take on a few more million dollars this year. He's a, he's a free agent next year. You don't have anybody that that you're playing. Emeka Okafor is out for the year. So I don't understand why you wouldn't make this trade, roll the dice, and see if you can win a few more games, get to the five seed, and maybe win a playoff series. I'm not sure where the disconnect is here. You could let him go. You read him for the end of the year. And then if he likes it in Phoenix, if the guys mesh well together, then re-sign him. I, I, I don't really see the downside here. I understand that you might have to give up one of your number ones this year. You have three. Give away a first-round pick. It's a crapshoot anyways. Most of the draft picks you're going to get are later on in the first round to begin with. So why wouldn't you just take a chance? Having said all of that, I do trust Ryan McDonough already and his decision-making. I give him the keys to the castle. I do. However, another however, Powell doesn't play defense, and we know that. Any Laker fan knows that. They, they 55% from the field last night, Houston shot. 11 of 16 from three. So not all of those were contested. Forty-two free throws. Fouling equals out of position defense. A lot of times, fouling jump shooters doesn't happen as much as low post fouling. I understand there were it was a hack a shack mentality towards the end for Dwight Howard against Dwight Howard. I get that, but from the, on the defensive side of the basketball, they don't have much. P.J. Tucker is an average defender. He looks like a superhero on this team because nobody really plays defense. Most people on this team play smaller than they are. The Marcus brothers are big. 6'9", 6'8", 6'9". Channing Fry, 7 feet. He's a stretch shooter. You knew that when you brought him in. Gerald Green is 6'8", doesn't play much defense. P.J. Tucker... Around the same size, plays defense again, but just because you're the best defensive player on a team doesn't mean you play good defense. On the other side of the break, I'll talk a little bit more Phoenix Suns. I'll talk Miami Heat, Los Angeles Clippers last night. Good game, I guess. I mean, it, it's the numbers were there. Uh, it just shows again that the Clippers aren't ready for big time basketball. Alex Clancy, Kwame Lasser, Sports Talk, Voice America Radio. I'll be back in a minute. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. 
You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Sports and medicine go hand-in-hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy solo in studio at Clancy's Corner on Twitter. Call in. Give me your take on anything that anything or everything that I've talked about. 888-346-9144. Kwame will be back in studio tomorrow. We'll wrap up the week on a high note. I was talking Phoenix Suns. I've talked Sean White. Talked National Signing Day. Got through a lot of things today. Next, Miami Heat, Los Angeles Clippers. 116-112. Miami withstood a Clippers run in the fourth quarter where Blake Griffin finished off 43-15, six assists. Looks like MVP numbers, right? Well, I, I, I still don't believe in his talents, unfortunately. On the other hand, DeAndre Jordan has shown me a lot this year. 6 of 8, 16 and 16, had a block. He has taken a huge step forward this year. He's taken a Serge Ibaka step forward. And although he doesn't have much offensive skill, it's getting better. I'm speaking of DeAndre Jordan. He's not going to have a jump shot. He may not have a jump shot ever, which is fine. He's a big guy. But his rebounding has gotten even better, which we didn't know was possible. He's becoming more efficient around the basket, which we didn't think was possible because all he did was dunk before. So it, it, it's good to see him with little jump hooks, being able to finish kind of with both with, with both hands. And he plays good defense. I mean, he, he's always played good defense, and that, that's why he's been on the court. Now the Clippers as a whole... Take away DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin. Don't shoot very well from the field, which is an issue. Especially come playoff time when we're going to have to play half-court basketball and make jump shots that are contested. Especially if you're going to play the likes of San Antonio or Houston. You know, Jamal Crawford is filled in okay. Him and Derek Collison have filled in okay for Chris Paul. Jamal Crawford had a big game last game, but, you know, he, he's very hit and miss. Same, as Darren Coll- same with Darren Collison. Darren Collison is undersized. People like him a lot more than I do. I mean, I like him as a person. He's a great person. Played really well at UCLA. Took them to a couple Final Fours and a championship. But I just don't see him leading a team. 
He's the best backup point guard in the NBA, in my opinion. And I said that two days ago. But as a team right now, I don't really see it with the Clippers. They beat bad teams, which is fine. They've beat a couple good teams this year, which which is good. They have zero bench. And that was the beauty of the Clippers in the last couple years, is that their bench was the best in the league. They were the best. Matt Barnes coming off the bench. Jamal Crawford coming off the bench. But when you when you sign or trade for guys that you know have injury issues, Chris Paul, he's out for six weeks. He's been out, and and they've won games. You know, I'm not not to say that. However, Chris Paul goes, the Clippers go. They can win based on pure talent alone. But obviously, you want Chris Paul on the court, and he's usually comes back right right around after the All Star break. They make a push. Hopefully, he doesn't get injured again, and then the playoffs. He's one of the best players to have on your team in the playoffs because he gets half-court offense. He can run half-court offense, even though the other four guys on the court might not be as astute or cerebral as he is. He puts them in positions to get open baskets, to get layups, to get dunks. So you need him on the court at least, I would say, a month before the playoffs start. So you can get back in the flow. You can work on your half-court offense. Find out your weaknesses, which in my opinion are Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, as I've said for years, that they need to have a back-to-the-basket game. DeAndre Jordan just won't, which is fine. I'm sure he's still young, so I'm sure he'll cultivate that as he gets older, as he practices more and more and more. Blake Griffin is taking large steps forward, but he was so far behind the talent of low-post guys when he came into the league that he's still trying to play catch-up. So if those things happen and Chris Paul comes back a month early, they, they can make a run. They need to, if they don't win a playoff series this year, people are going to look around and be like, what is the problem? They traded for J.J. Redick, who's hurt. That's another guy that I wanted to talk about. He's great when he plays. Talking about a guy that has totally changed his game coming out of college, all he did was come off screens 10 feet behind the three-point line of Duke and knock down three balls and shoot 99% from the line. That's what he used to do. He never had really had an up fake in his in his in his repertoire in his arsenal, except for up faking, taking one step, and still being behind the three point line and knocking down a three at Cameron Indoor. Now, in Orlando, especially when he was there, he learned how to play basketball. He learned how to pass. He learned how to up fake, take two hard dribbles, and jump stop from 15, 17 feet away. He still shoots great from the line. He plays good defense. I'd say he plays average defense, which in this day and age in the NBA equates to good defense. So with those two guys in your backcourt, that automatically made the Clippers better. Because now you have guys that can score the ball, that's what they're bred to do. J.J. Redick is bred to shoot the ball. But he's learned different ways to score, which has made his game better, obviously, and which makes the teammates around him better, because... He demands that much more attention. Chris Paul has always demanded that attention. Blake Griffin, their defense against him is either when he drives to the basket, foul him, make him make free throws, or make him shoot 15, 17 footers. So when it comes to half-court offense in the playoffs, now with J.J. Redick on the court, if he can stay healthy, 
You're not just looking at Chris Paul to create, Blake Griffin to make layups, DeAndre Jordan to make put-bad dunks, and Jamal Crawford to come off the bench and hit threes. You have different elements now that you can, that you can use to score points in the half-court set. But with both those guys, two of those guys that I'm talking about on the bench, hurt, it's difficult to practice anything, any sort of fluidity on the offensive side of the ball. So they'll be fine. I mean, they'll cruise. They'll be at least, what are they, the four seed now? They're the four seed now. Technically tied with Houston. But they're two game, three games out of being the eight seed. Now, I don't think they're going to slip that much because Dallas isn't as good as their record indicates, in my opinion. Phoenix, even, is wavering. Golden State, they're an anomaly. But I'll talk about them after. The Heat, the other team playing in this game, they're just good. You know, there's really nothing bad you can say about the Heat. They don't have much size. Their biggest guy shoots threes. He's not a 50% shooting big man like a lot of big big men in this league. Dwayne Wade played 35 minutes. That's the one thing I saw last night when I looked at this box score that stood out to me. Everything else, you know, it's a regular season game. But seeing Dwayne Wade play those many minutes before the All-Star break is really encouraging. Because if he misses any time in the playoffs, especially in the second round and on, we might see a new champion this year. 14-8. and Two turnovers, which is huge for him. He's always been a turnover guy because he used to always demand the ball so much. And I posted on Facebook, listen to see why I think Blake Griffin's 43-15 and meant nothing. And this is why. They don't have any big guys. If the Heat and Clippers played in in the finals, I wouldn't necessarily say that the Heat would win that. I know that that's a that, that's a projection, and the Clippers are never going to make the finals, so it, it's it's all in fantasy land. But I think that because they because they're undersized, teams like the Clippers could beat them. And especially now, Indiana signed Andrew Bynum as more of a chess move than actually playing Andrew Bynum. So the Heat might have something to, to, to look out for with regards to that, and maybe signing somebody that has some size. Kwame, did, uh, what do you think about? First of all, I'm going to ask you two part question. 43-15-6 from Blake Griffin last night in, in a losing effort. What do you think he needs to do to get wins for the Clippers to put them on his back until Chris Paul gets back so they can better their playoff position and maybe win a playoff series? Well, I think one of the things Greg Griffin uh, needs to do is learn to shoot that 12-footer and consistently hit it. I don't understand why these guys let him back them into the um, to the basket because the way he does is don't or go underneath. He loves to work himself back to the middle of the uh, basket where he has much of his success. But the guy jumps out the gym. He, he's a he's a don't finesse artist. Uh, what he needs to do is perfect a 12-footer or a 15-footer range jump shot and do it with some type of consistency. You see a lot of the big guys and the dominant guys who are doing it. Uh, Tim, Jones, Tim Duncan comes to mind when I uh, think of hitting that 12-footer consistently, doesn't always have to play with his back towards the basket. He needs to do that when Chris Paul comes back. 
I'm not going to discount what he did last night because there were huge points. It was in a losing effort against the world champion Miami Heat. But the piece of the puzzle is, is he need he still needs to perfect his game. And I think this is fifth year, if I'm not mistaken, where he needs to. Uh, that should have been a part of his game right now, where he can keep a, a defender off balance, and that's what he needs to do, in my opinion, from watching Blake Griffin. He's he's a he's a great talent, but he doesn't have that that 12 to 15 consistent shot. Yeah, and, and I agree. Uh, and what I said a little bit before you called in was that. Um, when he came into the NBA, his talent level, like pure raw talent of jump, being able to jump through the building, was there. But he was a few steps behind all of these guys that he's playing against now. So even though he's taking large step forward, large steps forward, he still was so far behind the eight ball that that he's still trying to play catch up. And I think right. that's obvious. And he's been in the league. This I think this is his fourth year. But yeah, he did have a setback too. Remember, he broke his uh, foot, I believe. Uh, he did have a setback that year or the year for the D. The same year he came in, he had a setback and broke his foot. So he was behind the eight ball already. And then with that happening, puts him there further behind. Uh, but yeah, that consistent shot, he, he has to have it. If I'm guarding, uh, Blake Griffin, I'm going to tie my shoe right in front of him and tell him to shoot the ball. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to worry about him shooting and beating us with the consistent jump shot. What he does best is get, get close to the basket and jump over everybody. You see, uh, one of the plays last night, and I watched the game where he um, he was so close to he was close to the basket, had a layup, missed it, but he skied over everybody, even with LeBron James right there, and got the tap in. So he does that pretty good. Uh, we know that, but shooting a consistent jump shot, no, I, I really just tie my shoes in front of him or turn my back on him and tell him to shoot it because I don't think he's gonna make that consistently and win a game. Absolutely, and uh, just across the wire. Uh, the GM for the Cavs have just got has just gotten fired, and I was thinking about this the other day. They're sixteen and thirty three. They have one of the mo- one of the most exciting point guards in the NBA in Kyrie Irving. They have Tristan Thompson out of Texas. They have Luol Deng now. They have pieces. Anderson Vergeo is still a very serviceable center. There's no reason why they should be as bad as they are, and there's something going on. I th- and I still I said this before, and uh, and I'm still I still have a bad taste in my mouth about this, but. Mike Brown is not a good coach, in my opinion. He obviously has something missing. He doesn't gain the trust and demand of his players. And and this is obviously ringing true. We do have to take a break. On the other side, I want to talk a little bit more about the Cavs. And I'll talk a little bit more NBA, and I'll talk a little Carmelo. So on the other side of the break, Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk, Alex Clancy, Kwame on the line, Voice America Radio. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes' work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. 
We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Sports and medicine go hand-in-hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. I will save the sexy voice today. Alex Clancy in studio, still trying to perfect it. Kwame Lasseter on the line. Kwame, why don't you tell us about the show for tomorrow? Yeah, we got we got a. It's going to be a fun show. I mean, the show is always fun. I should say that, first and foremost. We always have fun on the show, uh, regardless of what we're talking about. But tomorrow we're going to have uh, God's uh, Guardian's Treasure on uh, Flores. So we're getting ready for the Valentine's. A week before Valentine's, I'll be in the studio. Alex be in the studio. We'll have uh, Amber in the studio who does the um, uh, does the pastry, which is pretty good. Uh, we'll probably have some things in the studio maybe we can taste, but we want to get ready for the Valentine's Day. Uh, for men, you get your get ready, get your get your uh, women, your wives, your friends, your girlfriend, your secretaries, whomever. Uh, <laughs> yes, Alex, get your girlfriend some stuff. Get ready for Valentine's, whether that be flowers or cake. Barterworks, or Lori Dance will be in the studio as well. Uh, with Barterworks, we'll talk a little bit about what Barterworks is about. Uh, but that's going to be the show tomorrow. We will throw some sports in there, but tomorrow's just going to be a whole different show. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I get. I'll I'll come in hungry just in case. I'm always hungry. I, it doesn't matter if it's, if there's food in here or not. I'm always hungry. Uh, we were talking. So, yeah, please be sure to check out that show. 12 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, 10 a.m. Arizona, 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, it should be a good show. Get us ready for Valentine's Day. Talking at Cleveland Cavaliers, just firing Chris Grant, their general manager. 23rd in points, load, po- uh, points allowed, 28th in assists per game. Uh, Kyrie Irving's only averaging six assists. Wow, six assists per game uh, this year. So I'm not. Let's let's look at the the big picture. Let's look at the Kwame Lasseter side of this. What is wrong with the NBA with all of this young talent that can't mesh well together? I mean, this to me it looks like th- these are a bunch of AAU teams in college that don't really learn how to play together. They learn for stat lines. They. They they get their points, they get their rebounds, they get their blocks, they get their steals. They don't learn how to play defense. They don't learn how to play together. And notice that I took assists out of that. I didn't put that into the AAU stats. Do you think that that's just bleeding over into the NBA? Because that's obviously the farm school for the NBA. So do you think that that's just bleeding over and the AAU stuff is just so ingrained in these kids' minds because they've been playing since they were 10 years old that now you don't know how to play together? Now it's all about me, and now you would just kind of try to make it like a team, and the coaches are getting are being the scapegoats because of it. I think the um, the top tier teams, the top tier professional teams, are finding a way to uh, create that team atmosphere. I think the team concept was lost. You're getting a lot of superstars, but you're not putting anything around them. And when as you were talking, 
And now that I'm uh, speaking on it, it puts me in the mindset of uh, LeBron James when he was in Cleveland. Yeah, you got one of the best players on the country, on the land, coming out of high school, but you didn't put anything around him. He got you to the playoffs. He got you to the championship game. You didn't put anything around him. And then you got upset when you lost. Well, basketball is a team sport, but a lot of people, but if you don't put that in, uh, if you don't put that together and cohoose that together and have a cohesive unit, then you're going to be looking at not being in the playoffs again. You're going to be looking at getting the first five picks in the drafts again. A lot of a lot of NBA teams make money from losing. A lot of winning teams, like Paul side, he's looking at those who win, like like the um, Cowboys. Those who win, they they make money from they make money from uh, others' success for TV money, uh, trading rights, and all those things. Uh, but in basketball, five guys at a time, you got to have. That's what that's what the emergency was when we had a big three. Let's try to get the best three guys or the best two guys and, and a supporting cast around this team so we can find a way to win. Because at the end of the day, you want to win, but now you got a bunch of individuals that we can look at them because that's more visible than we can see as a GM if you don't know the sport itself. But the GM and the, the ownership, the organization, they have to find a way to put these people around those superstars so they win. And you mentioned Kyrie Irving, only have six or fifth. Well, they brought him in there to shoot the ball. I understand that, that he should have more assists and distribute the ball, but who is he going to distribute it to when you're not putting anything around him? Yeah, I mean, no, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, and, and I, this has been my point. I've, I've had two points forever. A running quarterback will not win the Super Bowl, and Russell Wilson does not count as a running quarterback. And if, you, if your leading scorer on your NBA basketball team is your point guard, you won't win a championship. And he's averaging 21-6. and six. He's their leading scorer. So that stagnates the whole offense. And it's an interesting point you bring up with the, be- with the, t- with the Big Three in Miami. Let's talk about that one first. In the 80s, you had all-star teams on many teams. The Celtics, Larry Bird, Dennis Johnson, uh, you know, uh, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, the Pistons, Dennis Rodman, uh, Bill Lane Beer, Isaiah Thomas, Vinny Johnson. Like, you had supreme talent on teams before. But they always played as a team because they knew how to play basketball. In Miami, when this happened and when they went to Bo- when Boston did it, these guys already learned how to play basketball. And you had Kevin Garnett on one in Boston, and you had LeBron James in Miami on the other, two guys that didn't go to high school, that didn't go to college. So when you learn how to play basketball, it's easier to put players together, especially those that are supremely talented. So... That, I think, is a little different because now people are trying to replicate that, but with really young guys. Like, look at Oklahoma City. Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, James Harden. They'd both been in the league collectively like seven or eight years, and you try to get them to play together like that in the finals, it's never going to work because they haven't learned fully the game of NBA basketball yet. So this is all, so say that is the upper echelon. Take somebody like Cleveland or, or teams like this, like even the Clippers, the experience level doesn't predicate how good your team's going to do, and the Clippers have, even with that much talent, not all of them have learned how to play full game of basketball for each of their positions, like Blake Griffin. So it's it, it's almost unfair to expect anything out of these guys. So would you say that's correct? Or because uh, they're professionals, they're, correct, they're getting so paid? It, so for a lot of organizations, I do say that's correct. For a lot of organizations, they don't want to deal with the backlash of not taking that number one guy or that highly taunted guy that we talk about in the draft and then 
uh, have the organization or the fan support not be there when you don't put anything around them. So they have to be seen going the extra mile. So if it's, if it's a guy like Kyrie Irving coming into the draft now, highly taunted, highly publicized, uh, spoken about, well, let's say the Cavaliers, they have to take him because they'll say, well, we need some help and we didn't take him. So are you really trying to, this franchise really trying to go in the right direction? So, yeah, I would say that's true in the sense that they have to get those guys, but they're forgetting to put talent around those guys, supporting guys. Let's say you got uh, Kyrie Irving and some other guy that's, that's pretty good. Well, the other guys, role players, have to know their role. They have to be, be able to come out there and do that. I think the best team that does that is the New England Patriots. They know who the stars are on that team, but the other guys know their role because the end game is a Super Bowl champion. The end game is an NBA championship. So you have to know your role, but you have to put somebody around those guys, your superstars, and then you have to find a coach who can get those guys to play together and believe in a system. Because if you don't believe in a system, it doesn't matter how much talent you got, then you're going to result to playing individual one-on-one basketball and leaving everybody out. Yeah, no, that's true, absolutely. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future. AAU ball is, 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 is as big as ever, so that that's going to be an issue. And the NBA learns a lot, or the co- pro sports learn a lot from college, and we've seen that mostly in football. Even the, hell, the two-point conversion was implemented in the NFL from college football. You think that'd be kind of a? I, I, I was I was surprised by that when that happened. I mean, there are things that college sports revolutionize that pro sports you know adopt, and I just think that this one is hurting the league. That AAU is so prevalent that you only have guys play for one year. All of these things. So it's and obviously now this is the ripple effect. Of what's happening, the the game of basketball is slowly degrading, uh, receding, something like that. The, it, it, it's not. Guys, I'm sorry. You, guys, you mentioned AAU, and this, here's a good point uh, to, to that. You mentioned AAU. When those guys are playing AAU basketball, that's one step. That's their freshman year in college. So when they go to college, they are sophomores athletically in college, and that's why they take one year and go to the pros. Because AAU is exciting when you, when they, when you, the professional league sports adapt things from collegiate level because it's exciting, it's fun, it, it brings another wrinkle into the game, um, to make you strategize on how the point system will work or how you can benefit from it or taking a chance on it, the, the, uh, the win loss effect to it, towards it. So the AAU, those guys, those basketball guys, you consider those guys highly recruited athletes. That's their freshman year in college. When they go to the when they do enroll into a university or college, that's like their sophomore year athletically. So that's why they go take one and done. A lot of schools like Kentucky, a lot of those guys to do that. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sorry. We have to go. I do want to talk about this more. Maybe we'll start the show tomorrow with this. Kwame Lasseter on the line. Alex Clancy in studio. Follow Kwame at Kwame Lasseter on Twitter at Clancy's Corner for me. Download the mobile app, Voice America Radio. Listen to us streaming live. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk, Voice Talk America. for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 